Well, good morning once again. I am personally not a big fan of uh, reality TV shows. Some of you may be, and so if you are, you may have heard of a show called Extreme Makeover. Anyone hear of that? Okay, three people, awesome. Uh, this was um, a show that the basis was to take people who were not so pleasing to look at and make them very pleasing to look at. Um, now, I can say that uh, because you, most of you have seen my high school photo. <laughs> I'm not going to show it again. I've poisoned you enough with that, <laughs> embedded in your mind forever. Um, so I can say that. Um, and so here you can see a picture of, this was a promo of a woman, and they beautified her. And it's like this amazing transformation that if you saw this woman in two different settings, you would think that it's a completely different woman. And so there's been, uh, there was a spinoff of this called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And so this was a uh, concept where they would take a very average looking home and make it into a very beautiful home. And I think we get mesmerized with things like that when somebody or something turns out to look very different than what it originally did. And this happens actually in nature uh, through a process that is called metamorphosis. And metamorphosis, uh, according to the Oxford American Dictionary, is defined as a change of the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one. And so metamorphosis... Uh, one of the biggest examples of this, or most famous, is when there's a creature that we call a caterpillar, crawls around, lives a bit of a life, just eats leaves, or I think they eat everything, um, but a caterpillar is not really a pleasant creature to look at, to think, think about. Uh, if you've ever had one crawl on you, it's kind of creepy, they're a little hairy, and so you want to flick it off. Um, but then after a while, this caterpillar uh, kind of curls up into a ball and, and starts spinning a, a, a something, silk, or silk around itself that hardens into a shell called a cocoon. And then eventually, that caterpillar breaks out of the cocoon and turns into this, a butterfly. And it's one of the most amazing transformations in nature that we see. And the reason why it, we're still fast, everybody knows this happens, but we're still fascinated by it because it's just amazing how um, this creature, which is so kind of, ugh, can turn into this, which is so beautiful. And everyone wants to have a caterpillar land on them. And so that's what a metamorphosis is. Well, the thing is, when we become a Christian, when we become a follower of Jesus, when, we, when the gospel uh, enters our lives, when we encounter the true God, we have a metamorphosis that happens in our life. There is a change, a transformation in us. And in fact, that's what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And you see, being a Christian is not just about believing in Jesus. It's not just about saying a prayer. It's not just about going to church. It is about a life-changing experience to where we have a new perspective, we have a new desire in life, and when we encounter the true and living God, it changes us. And so what I want to talk about today is how the gospel is not just an abstract concept 
that we, or theological truths that we, play, that we say that we agree to. But the gospel is something real and tangible that should impact and affect our everyday lives in our present reality that we experience every day. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, a chapter in the New Testament. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Um, if you have a hard copy or digital device, it will also be projected on the screen. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now this was a joint letter by Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And it says that they're writing to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And they start by saying grace and peace to you. The Thessalonians were a group of Christians who lived in a place called Thessalonica in uh, Greece, modern-day Greece. And if you think geographically, Athens is in the southern part of Greece, and so Thessalonica would have been on the northern part of Greece. And so uh, these are the people that Paul and Silas are, and Timothy are writing to, as well as we, we get this unique p- glimpse as to what these early Christians, what their lives were like. And so I think this is really important for us to understand just how the gospel impacts our lives. So they go on to say, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering and the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. And they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who who rescues us from the coming wrath. Well, as we look at this passage more in depth, I believe that there's three things that we learn about the gospel which can impact our lives as well. The first thing that we see here is that the gospel is powerful. The gospel is powerful. In uh, verse 5 it says, um, uh, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, they say, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, okay, that's important if we pause there for a moment, That when Paul, Silas, and Timothy, when they came to minister, it wasn't just about um, the people accepting what they were saying. These weren't just um, spiritual uh, spiritual truths, or these weren't just um, religious ideas that they were conveying and asking them, okay, do you believe in this? No, it went more than just words. Now, obviously, they had to communicate the gospel message But accompanying those words, it says it also came with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. And so as we look at those words more closely, power, think about something that's powerful. 
and moments in your life that are so powerful, it changes the way you think. Have you had a moment in your life that was so powerful, it changed your life from that point onwards? I can think of moments in my life. Obviously, my wedding day um, was a powerful moment in a good way um, because (laughs) I just want to make that clear. (laughs) A powerful moment because... I was living a new life with someone else, and we were joining in marriage to become one flesh. Um, the, mom- the, the moment our son was born was a powerful moment when new life is entering in this world. Those are good things. When I was younger, I had not so positive experiences that changed my, my life. One was when I was about 11 years old. Um, f- uh, when I was 11 years old, for that one year, I experienced the death of all three of my living grandparents. And so at a, as a young boy, I had to face the reality that on, on this earth, I would not see grandma, grandma or grandpa ever again. And that was, that was really rough to have to go through that as a child. And so I'm sure that you can think of experiences in your life, whatever it may be for good and bad, that are so powerful, it changes your life, it changes your perspective, it changes your outlook, it changes the way that you live. And so when this gospel came, it came with power. And when the gospel enters our lives, it comes with power. It ought to change the way that we think, our perspective on life, and the way that we behave. There is power in the gospel. And one of the reasons for that is because it comes with the Holy Spirit. Now this, this this concept of the Holy Spirit living inside of our bodies ought to blow our minds because the Holy Spirit is God himself. When I was in the States studying at university, I went to a Bible college. And so um, I I got a biblical studies degree. But it it was called a liberal arts college, which meant that we we still had to study everything else, even though we were studying Bible. And and you could get degrees in other things, but you, you had to study Bible as well. And so I still had to take courses in history and science and math and um, English and, and other areas, music and arts. Uh, but one of, the, one of the courses that gave me the greatest perspective of who God was um, was astronomy. You know, I took a lot of Bible classes, a lot of uh, theology classes, and yet it was astronomy that gave me a greater appreciation for who God is. Because when you, when you begin to realize how we are just a speck on this planet... And this planet is just a speck in our solar system. And our solar system is just a speck in our galaxy. And our galaxy is just one speck of millions or billions or trillions of galaxies, however many there are. And so when you begin studying the universe, your mind just begins to be blown away at how big this universe is. And then when you think about there's a God who created all this, who is bigger than that, that's mind-blowing. And then to think about how this big God of the universe somehow mysteriously and supernaturally resides and lives in this little speck of a being is just amazing. One, why he would want to do that. And the fact that the almighty, powerful God of the universe is right here. We are the temple. In the Old Testament, they had a, a tabernacle and then a temple where God's presence would literally come down. And Paul says that we are that temple, that the presence of God is right here in us. And so there is power in that. We don't have to live 
fearful, defeated lives because we have the power of God through the Holy Spirit right in our lives. And that is what the gospel does to us. And also, the gospel comes with deep conviction. Last week I told you that I am not naturally a very decisive person. Pastor Mike wanted to see if I changed this past week, so he asked me where I want to go eat. And I said, I don't know, where would you like to go? Um, I'm not very decisive. In fact, my wife, bless her heart, um, she, I won't say hates, she loathes. Is that a nicer way of saying it? I don't know. She does not like going shopping with me. <laughs> now, I don't shop very often, but there are times where I need new clothes, new shoes, something new. And the reason why she doesn't like it is because I will you know, say, well, what do you think about this? She's like, yeah, it looks good. I don't know. I'll try something else. And then I try that. And then I'm like, she's like, no, that's better. And I'm like, I like the other one better. Maybe I'll try the other one on again. And then, and then we go through this for about an hour. And then she's like, okay, what are you going to get? Well, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I'll come back another time. And that's literally how it goes sometimes. Now, even though I am indecisive, naturally, there are times where I have deep convictions about things. So when I do decide on something, whether it's something to buy or something to believe in, I believe it and will, will fight for that strongly. Okay? Um, and so all of us have those things that we feel deep convictions about, whether it's about our religion or church, whether it's about uh, our work environment and how things are, whether it's politically. I, I know in Hong Kong right now, there's a lot uh, going on with Occupy Central and with government decisions that seem to uh, affect um, elections. And so a lot of people have deep convictions. Another one, a hot-button issue, is social issues like gay marriage. And so people on all sides of that have very deep convictions. And what happens when we encounter this living God and when the gospel enters our lives, it is not a well, okay, I kind of think I'll sort of believe in Jesus. It's complicated. No. When, we in, when the gospel enters our lives, when we open our hearts to Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive that with deep conviction, knowing that this is true, that there is a God, that He sent His Son Jesus, and that we can have new life in Him. And so the gospel is powerful. And Paul reminds the Thessalonians that their gospel came not just with words. It wasn't just a message. And they're like, okay, it came with power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. Secondly, we see that the gospel is transforming. It transforms us. In verse 9, we see that uh, Paul talks about how they turn to God from idols, uh, not just to believe in God, but to serve the living and true God and to wait for Jesus to return. You know, this concept of turning to God from idols, I don't think we should take that too lightly uh, in the context here. Uh, in this, this culture at this time, it would be like many cultures in the world today where there's such a fusion of religion and culture. Uh, we're good friends with uh, some uh, Israelis and Judaism is a huge part, and traditions are a huge part of Israeli culture, whether they're so-called religious or practicing or not. It just is ingrained in the culture. My wife grew up in a Hindu family, and in Hindu society, uh, religion and culture is the same. Also, in, in many East Asian cultures, 
Um, you've got your traditions, whether it's Buddhism or other ancestor worship or other traditions which are fused with Confucianism, which is infused with the culture. And so when someone from these cultures becomes a Christian and they turn away from that and turn to Christ to follow Jesus, it literally is seen by those in the culture as betraying their culture. You're turning your back on your culture, your heritage. And that's why in many of these cultures, they practice disowning. Or if you want to leave, they say, you're leaving us as a family. You're leaving your culture. And so the fact that these Thessalonians would turn to God from their idols, from their gods that they worshipped, it meant they were, they were turning their back on the culture. And it, it meant they were facing rejection from their family, friends, and society. But see, that's what happens when we encounter the true God, is we don't care what, um, how this may affect how we're treated in society we begin to see that this is true, that this is so powerful, that we want to give up everything to follow Jesus. And so when we come to faith in Christ, it means turning to God away from idols. And there's so many idols that we can have in our lives, whether they're uh, um, living to please other people or to living to please ourselves or literally worshiping statues or idols in our homes. And so when the gospel enters our lives, it means that life is no longer about those things. It's not about living to please others, living to please ourselves, living to follow anything else. It's about following God. And not just following Him, but serving the living and true God. When we become a Christian, it changes our perspective on things. When we begin following Christ, we begin to see that work is not just a means to make money and a means to further our career as a means to gain more power, work becomes about how you can use what God's given you to serve God. To use what God's given you, your gifts and abilities, to serve others. And so life becomes more about serving the living and true God. And it's also about centering our lives around Christ. You know, these early Christians in the first century, they began waiting and longing for Christ's return. They loved God so much, and they loved Jesus so much that they couldn't wait for Jesus to come back. You know, when I was a young boy, I used to be very scared of the concept of eternity. And at one time, I literally thought my mind exploded when I tried to think about, um, you know, oh, you know, life never ending. It just goes on and on and on, and it scared me. But as I've grown as a Christian, I've been away from my home for 10 years now. And so the longer I'm away, the longer I long for seeing loved ones. And as a believer, the closer you draw to Christ, the more you long to be with Him, the more you long for Him to come back. And so life is no longer about achieving milestones, so to speak. For some of you, it may be graduating high school. Can't wait. Um, or after that, then you can get married, and after that you can have kids, and after that you can have a really good career with a great home and car and uh, great holidays, and then you can retire and just relax. But then what happens after that? And so life is no longer about these earthly milestones, but it's about what truly is important, and that's when Christ will return. And so the gospel is powerful, and it's transforming And I know that many of you here today have experienced that in your life. 
And if you haven't, then we invite you, just like Pastor Eris said, we invite you to know the joy of the gospel in your life, that there is more to life. Well, the third and final point is that what we see here is that the gospel is to be lived out. The gospel is to be lived out. As we look at these Thessalonian believers, we see in verses 7 and 8, it says that they became a model to all the believers in Achaia and Macedonia. They were living out their faith in such a way that they became people that were examples, that people were looking up to as Christians. And it says in verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from, uh, from you. The Lord's message rang out from you. But not only in your surrounding area, it says your faith in God has become known everywhere. And in fact, Paul, Silas, and Timothy say, we don't have to say anything about it to anyone. We don't have to, to brag on you. We don't have to say, wow, God's really at work in these Thessalonians because everybody already knows. So here we see these believers who are living out the gospel. And think about how powerful it would be if, if people were talking about Alliance International Church in Hong Kong and how we're a group of believers who so live out our faith that it's contagious and people notice that there's something different in us and how powerfully we could impact our homes, our schools, our workplace, and our communities where we live. Now, I want to make a comment about what I think this doesn't mean. I think often uh, in the church, we, we pretend that everyone has this outgoing, boisterous gift of evangelism. And so if you're not sharing your faith every week, every day, every hour to somebody, then you're not spiritual enough. And then most of us, now some of you may have that gift and do have that gift. Pastor Eris is one of them. I don't know how he can just go meet strangers and say, do you want to believe in Jesus? And five of them say, I believe in Jesus. (laughs) That is a work of the Holy Spirit in and through Pastor Eris. And we celebrate that. Some of you may have that gift. I don't have that gift. I'll be honest. And most of us don't have that gift. And most of us are just average, everyday Christians who frankly are scared of the thought of having to share our faith. And what I want to say today is that's okay and that's normal. I think we need to normalize that, that aspect of Christian living and not to place false guilt on on you, because that's exactly what Satan wants. Satan wants you to have that false guilt, so you feel bad, and then you're not motivated to go and share your faith, because you feel like, I'm not good enough. Well, the fact is, none of us are good enough. It's, it's an act of uh, work of God in our lives. So I don't think this means when you go to work, you have to wear a flashing tie that says, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Or you don't have to go on the MTR with a megaphone and say, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? Now, if you want to do that, we will lay hands on you and pray for you, okay? And if you're Pastor Harris, it'd probably work. (laughs) I don't think it necessarily means we have to be obnoxious of yelling and screaming our faith. What I think Paul is saying here is that these believers lived out their faith in everyday life. When they were at work, at home, it just naturally came out their love for Christ. They didn't necessarily even have to say it. And I think the biggest and most powerful testimony is when people see that. 
I think when people see how you handle your grumpy boss at work, or when they see how you handle the loss of a loved one, or when they see how you handle um, dealing with difficult clients, or when they see how you handle different situations in life, they will see that there's something different. And when you're able to forgive someone that they would never forgive, when you're able to love someone that they would never be able to love, that is a powerful testimony. And so we are to, when the gospel enters our lives, when, when we begin to follow Jesus, we have no other response, but God begins to work in us. The Holy Spirit is in us, and people will notice that there's something different. And when they ask you about that, what a great opportunity to share. And I think that's when the greatest evangelism happens, is when you've built such a close relationship with someone, and they notice something, and they come to you, and they ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And that's when you can be prepared to share with them why you're a follower of Christ and why there's a difference in your life. And so the gospel is to be laid, lived out. Well, here at AIC, we're going to be doing something that is a first in the life of the AIC family. And this fall, we're going to go on a journey together talking about the gospel in real life, the gospel in everyday life, how the gospel impacts us in, in different situations in our life. And so this is going to be what we call a, a church-wide campaign throughout this fall for the next few months. And so what that means is our sermons and our community groups will have one focus for these next few months. And we're going to be utilizing uh, Tim Keller's material called Gospel in Life and kind of taking some of the themes from that and we're going to look at the scriptures and we're going to talk through some of those topics here in our Sunday sermons and then in our community groups and uh, our discipleship groups. We're going to be going, delving deeper into that topic so that uh, we're kind of following up our sermons with deeper in-depth discussion so that we can grow together. There's going to be talk, topics that talk about the city and how God has placed us here in Hong Kong for a purpose, for a reason. And what a great opportunity of how God can use us to serve him and the people in this city. We're going to talk about our hearts. We're going to talk about idolatry and how even as believers in Christ, there can be things that hinder us from him. We're going to talk about work and how the gospel impacts our place of work. We're going to talk about justice and how we're to be a witness and how we're to have this eternal perspective to wait for Jesus' return. And so this is going to be a journey that we're going to go through together, and I'm so excited for this. I believe that God is really at work in us as a church. You may notice that there's different things we're focusing on, and on the surface, it may look like these are all isolated when we have the orange, thinking orange, um, coming up and how we've kicked that off with our family ministries and how we have multiply for our adult discipleship and how we're doing this gospel in life or gospel in real life for our community groups and through our sermons. And yet they're all similar because they're all about learning and growing together. Thinking Orange is about not just having a program to send our kids to and then they come home. It's about, as parents and as leaders and as adults, investing in the younger generation and walking through uh, this Christian life together. Multiply isn't just a class where we sit and listen to a lecture. It's about learning and growing together in our faith in Christ. And this gospel in life 
is about not just having one-off sermons that you say, oh, that's great, and forget about. It's about us working through what does it mean to have the gospel impact my life and to do that, discussing that together in community groups. So if you are involved in a community group, um, this is going to be an exciting journey for you. And for those of you who aren't involved yet, this would be a perfect time to get involved. If you have a bulletin uh, inside, there's, there's a handout that lists our different community groups of where they meet, uh, the different times. And so we'd really encourage you to consider joining a community group. Uh, for those who are part of the Filipino ministries, we have discipleship groups that we would love to plug you into. And so if you have any questions about this, please talk to myself, please talk to Pastor Mike. And we are just excited of where God is leading us as a church. So as we begin this, uh, so next Sunday, okay, Pastor Mike will, will uh, begin with our first um, message, which will be on the city. And so as we begin this journey together, let's ask God to prepare our hearts and that he would do a tremendous work in us and through us uh, as we take on this journey together. So please join me in prayer. Lord God, we, we acknowledge that you are a living God, that you're a God who's alive and is active And Lord, you are a God that when we encounter you, it changes us forever. We experience a metamorphosis in our lives. We are so transformed to where we no longer live for ourselves, to live for others, but we live for you. God, I pray that as we embark on this journey together through studying the gospel in life and how the gospel should impact our everyday life, I pray that we would be continually changed, continually molded, into your likeness, that as our groups study this material together, that that they would learn and grow together, and that we collectively as a church would just be so passionate about following you that your message would ring out from us, that those surrounding us would know and see that there's something different. Lord, we, we pray this and ask this for your glory and so that others can experience and know the joy of following you. So we dedicate this, uh, this campaign to you, and we ask you would just use it for your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.